Welcome back to the X-Files podcast by LSG Media. I'm Dean. I'm Josh. And on this week's episode, we're talking season two, episode eight, One Breath. I'll tell you, Josh, it's really weird to see a Scully headstone being made. That's weird, dude. Still haven't premature? gotten used to it. It is. It's premature for sure. But it's like, is that what the fuck, family? <laughs> like, I'm not dead. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Well, you know, we don't have a soft spot for uh <laughs> for Margaret, that's for sure. <laughs> I guess, man. Fucking Margaret. God damn. Like I get it, but no, hook me up. Plug me in for a minute. Give it a give it a few days. <laughs> You know what I mean? We're dying. We're diving right into like, let's just pull the plug, avoid the bills, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So before we start dropping carve slate, hmm. what did you think of the um, the little pre-credit story? This whole- The serial killers in training? The, <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is something um, it's tough to sympathize with. The, the little kids inflicting harm on animals. Like, there's a lot of shit little kids do that I get. Like, hey, kids do dumb shit and, like, sure. whatever. But that's one thing that I, I don't know, man. I think it's it's something, I don't know if it's based on how you grow up, if you grow up with animals or not. But that whole, like, oh, yeah, when we were kids, we used to, you know, we used to fucking, you know, play with mouse traps and you know, fuck around with mice on that were stuck on glue traps. And it was like, ah, oh, I don't know, dude. If you're fucking with any kind of animal, any vertebrate animal mm. of any kind, I am going to have a hard time thinking of you as a fellow human that I want to interact with. Yeah, it's not a good thing. I, um, you know, I talked about this very vaguely on the Apocalypse Now podcast, but about my experience with slaughterhouses, which is really fucking crazy to go to one, especially at that age. But, um, you know, I did a little bit of mild hunting as well. There was a couple of cool things. Like, I remember I had hunt woodchuck a couple times to feed a hawk that we had. Fucking crazy story. And um, there was that. But I remember, like, the first time kind of trolling around outside on the farm in the woods with a twenty-two. And I remember, I don't know what I shot. I shot, like, a bird for no reason, like a blackbird. And after that, I was like, I feel horrible. It was really weird. I don't know why I did it, because I would just usually shoot cans and stuff like that. And it was a really weird moment. So to watch these kids kind of, even though it's a snake, whatever, but still it's a garden snake, but to throw it out there and sort of just like cruelly shoot at it, it's really weird, man. Like I I did that, what I did, I felt shitty about it. And because it, it was different. It wasn't like, oh, I'm I'm doing this for this other thing. I'm hunting this for eating or I'm, do, you know, it was just like, God, what a, even that was like, at first I was like, wow, I hit that. And then I was like, wow, I hit that. What the yeah. fuck? And that was a weird revelation at like 11. <laughs> it's really weird. It was a really weird moment in my life. So it's funny to see that it was almost immediately regretful. You know, my, it's funny. My, um, my, uh, my uncle was always fond of telling this story about how he went fox hunting of all things once. There was this fox that had been around the farm where he lived and he grew up, Uncle Mike actually. And nice. uh, he fucking tracked the thing all day. And then he saw it in this clearing cutting across this service road and it stopped and looked at him and he raised the rifle and he looked at it. And then he kind of looked, he, he took his head off the sights and just sort of locked eyes with this fox that just froze for a second. And he was like, hmm. And they just looked at each other 
And then he looked back at it and he just lowered the rifle and the fox just kind of took off in the woods. And he was like, that was the last day of my life I ever did that. I'm like, that's so crazy. Like he never told me that story. He told me like two years ago. Just thought it was pretty wild because we were talking oh, about, we were talking about shit like that, you know? Um, so it's pretty weird. Like this sort of senseless childlike inflicting harm on, even though it's just a stupid snake, it's still stupid. Like it's a, it's setting weird precedent for you mentally, I think. It, it's it's hard for me when when little little kid Dana holds the snake in her hand and you know Margaret's narrating sure and, and little she's Dana talking about, Scully she, she was willing every every ounce of her fiber willing oh, shut the up, snake lady. to be well whatever we, we get it but even that man like it's just hard to see an animal suffer dude yeah. like I have a real hard time with it I eat meat every fucking goddamn day and I have no problem with it. And if I have to, I'll eat meat to survive. And if I have to kill an animal, I will. But the actual act of, of doing it, especially if you don't have a efficient way to do it. Sure. It's tough. And the, the thought of just willfully making it suffer, that's some despicable yeah. shit. It's hardcore, man. It's pretty, it's pretty hardcore. Yeah. It's, it, it's wild. And, you know, when I think about, you know, that snake passing, I just think, you know, it's probably time to let my daughter go. So... <laughs> <laughs> for her accessory after the fact you know so so what do you got you got the bargain you got the bargain slate <laughs> it's weird can i just say this one last thing like about the whole animal thing because it's really i know exactly what you mean like there's this um it's there's no you know in the wild there's no like retirement it's really fucking grim in the wild nature is a motherfucker you know Whatever, whatever, yeah. like beautiful buck you see cruising around in its youth and fucking all the dough, that that buck is not is gonna have a horrific death. There's no euthanasia for the buck. The lucky buck, to be perfectly frank, is the one that takes a three oh eight round in the chest and dies in three seconds. Yep, not the one that gets eaten asshole first by coyotes. While the it's still only, alive and screaming for in pain. Do you know what I mean? Like it's fucking, it's such a weird thing to think about, but it's almost like the lucky buck is the one that gets rocked by a fucking 30 out six round when it's like 11 years old. Yeah. Yeah. There's it's no, weird. uh, no, no animal dies quietly and softly surrounded by loved ones unless it's a pet of a bunch of human Correct. beings. Correct. Yeah. The pets are the really lucky ones to be honest with you. You know, it's fucking, it's crazy. I'll tell you the first time I ever looked down not the first time I went hunting once for duck with a with a family friend yep. but when I was they in go high quick. school yeah when I was in high school um we had two cats that got killed by coyotes Oof. you know I grew up out in the woods you know where my, where I my do. folks live I do they must and, have seen a um, lot of coyotes out there Yep. Oh, they were out there all the time. And um, we had outdoor cats, man. They went in and yep. out, and we had a lot of animals. And zero mice and rats. <laughs> <laughs> no, no fucking pests. But, um, you know, and I was, uh, I grew up shooting a little bit. I went to a, a summer camp, and I was on a riflery team. I was yep. really into 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 shooting as, as like a sport. And uh, we had a rifle. And my mom asked me, you know, because two of her cats got killed. And you know, she loves animals, but she was like, she didn't want any more of her cats to get killed. And yep. she could never fucking do it. And I couldn't either, man. I fucking sat there on the back porch. What and were you trying to get like, the coyote? Totally ready to go. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I got one in my sights and I fucking sat there and I waited for it to stop. And it stopped. 
and especially the canine nature yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like especially a soft spot. It's a, it's a, it's a wild dog, dude. I mean, it, I mean, it's more than that, but yeah, it's pretty wild. To pretty this day, wild. man. To this day, still working. You know, I'm working. You know, I do farming and shit, and uh, you know, animals are kind of pests at, at times. And uh, <laughs> dude, <laughs> we had this coyote fucking running through one of our fields, and it was kind of limping and real scrawny. And I'm like. You know, animal world, dude. Like you, 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 your predator. You sprain a leg. You're fucked. You know, you you're fucked. Yeah, you're. Fucked. You know what I did? I went home for my lunch break instead of just eating what I had, and uh, had some had some fucking meat I was going to cook up for dinner. And uh, I came back and I dropped it in the field. No shit. <laughs> fucking coyote. Now we have twelve coyotes. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. That's awesome, dude. And yeah, uh, yeah, not to get weird, dude, but I've sighted in on human beings and had a lot less reluctance to pull the trigger because there's an element of choice involved there. Cruelty. Yep. Yeah, animals don't have it. I know people like to think sometimes they do, like you see a a bear kill a cub. It's not. It's fucked up, but it's not not a malicious thing, you know? Yeah. They don't think that way. So thanks for tuning in to the X-Files Hunting Animal Love Podcast. <laughs> very complicated. It's a very complicated thing. <laughs> so anyway, so Margaret's anyway. ready to say, say goodbye to Dana. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's a coral snake, you got to shoot the fucker if it's in your garden. <laughs> if it's going to do harm to you. You know, that's, that's kind of where I draw the line, right? Yeah. If you're, if, if you're, if you're a threat, then you're, that's a problem. <clears throat> but yeah, man, it's... Uh, even the little fucking garden snake. Just leave the fucker alone, man. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. What do you think about how this whole thing ties into how she feels about letting letting Dana go? I mean, it seems, I don't know. It seems a little premature, but 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 we know about what Dana's wishes are. You know, she talks about Dana's uh, irrevocable guilt Something was missing from the snake. She had taken something away that was not hers to take, right? And, and that she had the blood on her hands. And uh, that's not she could do to bring it back. And Mulder's like, no, it's too soon. And Margaret says, well, I felt for my daughter. But at, that, at this moment, I know how my daughter felt. It's kind of crazy. So she's equating the dead snake with her daughter. Really, I mean, that's kind of what she's doing. Um, and I mean, I'm trying to be objective with her. My problem is with Margaret Scully, you know? I kind of want yeah. to slap her around a little sometimes. Well, we got we got a couple one stars to back that up. Our feelings about Margaret. Yeah, we hoped she died screaming. I think we said. Um, I hope she suffered when she died. I that's, think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We got a one star review for wishing death upon a fake person. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. a, a suffering death. Real quick, by the way, check yourself out. Real quick, look in the mirror. Come to terms with that. That's a weird yeah. thing. Anywho, Mulder, dude, having a good day. Yeah, in the, bathed in the television light. I don't know what he's watching. Kind of sounds like porn. <laughs> um, phone rings and uh, he's heading to the hospital because as we open on one breath, uh, Scully is missing, and here's where things change. He shows up at the hospital and running through the halls, and Scully is in the ICU, and she looks fucking bad. Yeah. Just it tubes fucking all over the place. That bag, know, I hate it. I don't think they that, do that. They don't have that anymore. That respirator bag? That, yeah, it's different. Because I saw somebody intubated a few years ago, and I was like, they don't do that anymore. It's more like this machine thing. 
A bag is freaky because you just imagine it like a lung. Yeah, it's like a it's like a, it's a it's a artificial lung. What fucking Terminator shit is this? Not good. Um, Mulder freaks the fuck hey Mulder. Out. He goes really hard on the doctor. Doctor Daly takes. Should we listen <laughs> and, to and it? Nurse Wilkins here. Yeah, all right. Let's have a listen to Mulder. How did she get here? How did she get here? Okay. Miss was in this condition when I arrived for the evening shift. If you step outside, perhaps Dr. Daly... Is that Daly? Are you Dr. Daly? What the hell is going on? How did she get here? Was it paramedics, FBI, military? Answer me right now! Aliens! Were you telling me she just appeared? All right. Oh. Oh, boy. Calm the fuck down, baby. We got a code white. I don't know what code is. Um, that means angry white guy. Wing, but <laughs> code white, angry white guy. <laughs> That's 100% what that is. Yeah, he's freaking out. Um, but I, I get I, it, man. I love what he's saying, though. And yeah. it's fun to make jokes about it. But how the fuck did she get here? Who brought her here? What do you mm-hmm. know? And they're all just clueless. And we'll get this, you know, directly said from Dr. Daly here in the next scene, but it's just, up. Oh, Scully showed up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Comatose, all fucked up. Yeah. No idea. No idea of how she was admitted, where she came from, who brought her here, nothing. And that's what Mulder, that's what he immediately realizes is mm-hmm. that this is it. Like this is whoever, whoever's power she was in just fucking hands wiped. That's it. Nothing. Right Nothing the, on right into the trash bag. Yeah. So a- any relief he had at, at seeing Scully is immediately changed by seeing the condition she's in mm-hmm. and knowing that whoever did this to her is immediately out of their power. Yeah. Beyond reproach. Yeah. Later we're in Dr. Daly, is it? Daly's? Yeah, Daly. Daly. Dr. Daly's so. office. And he basically says she's in critical condition, comatose, no awareness. No comprehension of anything, voluntary or otherwise. No one can determine how she arrived and um, how she ended up in such a condition. And uh, the absence of her recent medical history, I'm at a loss for prognosis. I have, couldn't even tell you how long she's been in the state, I think he says, right? Yeah. And, and he does literally apologize mm-hmm. for not knowing, not knowing how she was admitted, basically, what, how, how she got into the hospital, but doesn't admit to the fact that because of that, they have no... They have no medical history on her. They don't, and there's no signs of, there's no signs of, there's no obvious injury. There's no obvious uh, degenerative disease. There's no indication. Basically, all all they have is the symptoms, which is Mm -hmm. her in a basically vegetative state. And this guy, you know, he's got a, he's got ball game tickets. So he goes right to the will, right? He wants, (laughs) he he doesn't want to be here all fucking night. He wants to get out of here. He's got court, he's got, he's courtside. Right, he wants to get out of here, so he goes right to the will. Good old living will. He's like, yeah, I'm not pulling old T for this shit. So we can kill her, and I can get to the game. He goes right to it. Yeah, we like, don't yeah, know she... anything. Here's the will. <laughs> we yeah, we just don't know. But what we do know yeah, is she, uh, <laughs> she don't like it. I can save some time. <laughs> I mean, the traffic on the Beltway alone. <laughs> It's almost three thirty, so if this takes more than an hour, I'm I'm gonna be fucking sitting out there. I can't, bumper I can't, to bumper. I can't get to the ball game without without a little snack. Yeah, um, 
Well, Dana is a doctor. Her criteria for determining life support is quite specific. She states that um, if her Glasgow outcome scale lists her, I don't even know what that is. And Mulder says she doesn't want to live in this condition. He's He knows, he already knows this. And the doctor says, you signed the will as her witness. Oof, what a dick kick. Yeah. Yeah, I do know, I remember back from my, my brief history and trauma with uh, EMT stuff. Like that's basically just a more or less a how conscious are you scale like how responsive are you to like physical and visual and mental stimuli the glasgow scale yeah but it makes sense that dana's medical doctor would she would be super specific like if i'm below here i don't want to live in that state Mm -hmm. and the expanded scale by the way is one death (laughs) (laughs) so so if you're at the one i guess it's you know i guess nobody has to make that decision for (laughs) you decision made (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Two, vegetative state, Josh. Then lower severe disability, upper severe disability, lower moderate disability, upper moderate disability, lower good recover, upper good recovery. I thought it was more, I thought it was like a matrix. I thought it was like... Uh, yeah, oh. that's the expanded one. The Glasgow okay. scale extended, the GOSE. The other one is death, persistent vegetative state, severe disability, moderate, and low. There's only five. And it says the types of like severe damage, prolonged state of unresponsiveness, a lack of higher mental function, severe injury, and permanent need for help with daily living. Right? Yeah. Oof. God damn. That's so intense. It's crazy to think that somebody who has that disability is considered like two steps from death versus somebody who isn't according to this scale. It's hey, hey, dude in the wheelchair, you're a three. <laughs> Okay. That's well, so like just fucked skate, up. Buddy. Yeah, no shit. That's so But weird. I like the idea of it makes sense, man. Dana's a medical doctor. Like she would she would know this thing in and out and if she's gonna be, you know, proactive enough to make a will, a living will, she's gonna be very specific. Because yeah. that's really, dude, like that's something that everybody should do. I, I had it once at a time. I think it's gone out of date, but like I did all this shit and I thought of it as like a really responsible thing because you take that res- that that burden of Not responsibility sure yeah like sure. dude because the last thing i want to do is ever want my like next of kin mother father whatever to have to like make the decision about that shit and of course like dana that is 100 percent in her character and when he says it Mulder cuts the doctor off because he's the fucking witness mm-hmm. you know and, and that's Dr. Says, I mean, he doesn't um, want it to happen, right? No, Obviously. But he, he knows it. He knows that that's what Dana wrote down. Mulder signed it as her witness. And uh, but he can't he can't accept it. He can't accept her decision. Hmm. Enter Melissa Scully. Talking about crystals. Nineties, <sighs> babe. Oh, dude. I I want to watch her in the craft. Yeah. The craft the craft too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm into it. I like, but um, uh, you know what though? Chocolate color thing. Yeah, that's hot as shit. But can really? I just say something? Sure. There, um, um, she immediately exhausts me. Like you know, like ugh, do I want to date her? Honestly, <laughs> I mean, as soon I mean, as she says, "Oh no," she just told me. I'm kind of <laughs> like, I gotta go. <laughs> like you know, like if I was like 28, I'd put up with it. But now I'm just like, I gotta go. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do this. Right I like now. Mul- how Mulder pulls like a total straight man. Like, but her her signs show that if, <laughs> yeah. if she had said anything, she would be like, "Come on, dude, you know what she's saying." Look at mm-hmm. her. Yeah, look at her. This chick worships crystals. And Dana just now, ugh, 
she does. She said she didn't want me to call you Fox. Mm-hmm. Dana did but, just now. But feel her energy. Put your hands like this. Mm. Put your hands over here. Do you feel my energy? Do you and feel as much me? As, as much as we bust her about it, it's also funny shit to like think about Mulder who believes in fucking anything that's not spiritual. Mm. Mulder believes in anything non-spiritual. Yeah. And so it's, it, but it's nice <laughs> that he's consistent. Yes. You know, like the old, the old fashioned Christian stuff, that's bullshit, but it's nice that he's an equal opportunity offender, you know, and like the new age right, stuff right. is equally bullshit. Yeah. He's not one of those jabronis. Right. He doesn't believe in any of that fucking hocus pocus unless right. it's vampirism or lycanthropy or aliens or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Devil normal worship. crazy shit. Normal crazy shit. Something you would find, say, in a monster's manual. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no clerics, though. No fucking no, clerics, no, no, no druids. Cure like wounds is bullshit. But uh, Wyvern? I could see it. I could see that. Yeah. He's less- like, yeah, like a low low fantasy. Yeah. I'll tell you, he, um, you know, I, I break Melissa's balls, but I think she, and, and, and this is just a teaser, but I think she has some good stuff later in the episode. Yeah, she does. We'll save it for that. We'll yeah. just bust her balls now. Man, the desperation in which Mulder puts the X on his window is just so palpable. Yeah. He's he's alone. He doesn't know what to do. He has no answers. He wants help. And he goes to one of the only sources he has. Mm-hmm. With Scully out of the picture, that's what's really striking is how little he has outside of Scully. He doesn't have well, anything, does he? And, nope. and if you're and if you run into a dead end, like he he essentially has the writer's block version of FBI field work, <laughs> and we just see him sort of spiral as a result of this because he has no outlet. Right. We we first met a mother who had almost nothing. He had the X Files, but we didn't really know him then. It wasn't that personal. It was kind of funny. Nobody down here but the X Files or but the FBI's most unwanted. Yep. Ha 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 ha. Now they get this relationship and they start doing these things. But now we see someone who has got something very valuable, which is this relationship with Scully, his partner, his friend, you know, this love romantically or otherwise, this most important relationship in his life that he has left. And you take that away and all he has to do is put up a fucking signal on his window Mm -hmm. to this weird Mr. X who has given him information a couple times. That's it. That's his fucking lifeline. It's sad and it's scary and it's great. Yeah, it it is perfect for the Mulder character. And when you are feeling at your lowest, Josh, you're feeling like you're down in the dumps. Who strolls into the hospital but none other than a Frohickey in a three piece? And <laughs> and you actually feel like somebody has cast you a lifeline. <laughs> That's the, the levels time. you've reached of depravity. It's the first thing approaching a smile you see come over Mulder's face. Because how do you not smile when you see Frohecki in right. a fucking tux? Yep. Obviously, Looking for Dana Scully? Yep, he sure is. We understand that. He's got a thing for her. And uh, he's taken aback, right? Frohecki is affected. But he, then he takes a minute to look at the chart. Not and, too affected to shove her medical charts in his pants. Yep, hell no. Yeah. Nice. Which is exactly what he does. Yeah, we get back to our boys, the whole Lone Gunman crew. Mm-hmm. And uh, aside from a little bit of light banter, we get uh, them <clears throat> buyers. Basically, they push this info to this contact called The Thinker. Oh, right. And yep. this weird 
I think they said uh, something about the proteins. Uh, the protein. I am chains. not a crook, by the way. I love that the uh, Nixon. Yeah. <laughs> they um, there's something weird about the protein chains in her blood. Something that doesn't match with the normal human amino acids. Hmm. And they say the, or the thinker says it's something called branch DNA. Something mm-hmm. beyond beyond medical science, beyond yeah. cutting edge. Shit literally into the future. Something they're talking about 50 years down the road. It could be medical tracking. It could be this or that. They start bouncing around these theories. And that excitement of like, not good excitement, but that kind of like, what is this? What is this bouncing theories around comes crashing to earth when Byers basically says, yeah, it's none of that. This is inactive. It's a byproduct. It's a poison. And basically, prognosis, Skull ain't going to make it. And Not there's good. Nothing, nothing you can do. When the when lone gunmen tell you, Mulder, yeah, yeah, when the lone gunmen tell you there are no options, you're fucks, Phil. That's not good. Yeah. Let's talk about the boat, the old metaphorical tethered to the dock with yeah, a shore I, uh, in sight, Josh. <laughs> You'll never know the terrifying feeling <laughs> of being lost at sea. <laughs> Forever lost at sea. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, this I, uh, is almost like a Kathy Bates lady kind of, right? Nurse Owens? She, yeah, she kind of reminds me of Kathy Bates a little, like I wasn't sure about her. Yeah, yeah a little misery kind of to her. Yep, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Pans I'll out be, in the end, but... Yeah, thank God she didn't break my fucking ankles with a sledgehammer. Yeah, we... we I, I really dig this motif, and I think actually, I believe this episode won a award for cinematography. No kidding. I, I believe so. I might be pulling that out of my butt, but... These shots um, are pretty nice. They are, and I, I, I really like this boat motif, and they come back to it over and over, and it's it's not overly subtle, but it's effective. Yeah, it doesn't um, need to be. Th- there's a couple kind of nice, subtle elements. My favorite one is the very first shot we already kind of passed by, I think, is when the first time we see Scully in this little boat tied to the shore, hanging off the dock, facing back, and the first time she's facing uh, her sister, Melissa, mm-hmm. Mulder, and then the nurse in the background kind of out of focus. That was cool. Mm-hmm. The nurse is there before we've ever really seen her before. And Mulder has his arms crossed. Like very, this is when her sister's Closed. going all fucking, yeah. you know, Jupiter in Ascension. Right. Um, and I like that. And I like how they, they use it throughout the episode. Um, and it's just, it's powerful. She's sitting out there and, you know, that's her, that's her little life force bobbing there on the water. All right. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Neb, Jamin, Jamin Neb in the chat says, uh, was nominated for cinematography. Apparently didn't win. Oh, cool. That's wild. Called us coma boat apologists. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and um yeah, nurse nurse Owens we know her as. Yes. <clears throat> but um back in the real world, non boat, Skull's getting a little blood drawn. And mm. that's where we get the next kind of major little sequence here. Right. Which is a crash, a code blue, yeah. I believe. Yes, because the nearby patient um, flatlines. It's coding. Yep. And Mulder is temporarily distracted. And then as he looks back, the blood is gone. Yeah. And there's a little trench coat figure he noticed disappearing into the hallways. Bastard. The overcoat man. Well, that starts uh, quite the chasing in the hospital, which leads us to the bowels of the hospital. And um, this is pretty cool. I like this scene. I like the hospital chase. Yeah, I like it. I I love uh, 
you know, we talked back Ugh, uh, this guy rules. a couple times. Mr. X. Ah, he rules. Love this guy. Love him. Yeah. Like him more than uh, Deep Throat. He's, I think he's my favorite informant in the, in the show. He's really good. I'll tell you, he's, yeah, there's something, there's something more hands-on about him that I like over Deep Throat. You know what I mean? Yep. Oh, fuck. Jamin Neb is fucking BP9000. Yeah, Benjamin, right? I'm a fucking retard. <laughs> um, you know, by the way, X is kind of saving Mulder's life here. Because you don't want to chase a guy who has a gun. Who, who has a gun. He can just wait around a corner from you and play the angle game and just blow your head off when you go around the corner. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. Don't blindly run after that guy. <laughs> no. This high-capacity compact Sig Sauer forty caliber weapon is pointed at your head to stress my insistence that you search for who put your partner on that respirator to desist immediately. Dude, X knows how to talk to white folk. <laughs> He knows how to get their attention <laughs> to instill in them the seriousness of their actions. You ignore my call for help. <laughs> I love that he this doesn't beat great, around the bush yeah, about this is great. you're fucking my tool. Yes. You are my tool. I'm not going to, you're not going to get me killed. Like you got him killed. Him mm-hmm. being deep throat. Fucking right. awesome. Straight up. Like it's, it's cool to not be, you know, they play the mystery role of these informants of deep throat of, of the Senator of, of Mr. X of, of others that will come to be. But I also don't like that. It's just, it's not totally blind. It's not just like the hmm, quiet mystery. I, I have my <laughs> methods. He's fucking, he's like, no, 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 you're my tool. Right. I'll tell you what I want to tell you to advance my agenda. Some of it's going to help you, but you're not going to fucking in, endanger me. I'm not yep. dying for your fucking quest for right. the truth. I come to you when I need you, period. Oh, it's good, man. It's, it's really awesome. good. Yeah, I love that moment in this episode. And, uh, boy, he, I love lays, what's about to come. He, he, I love how X lays it out and just like, yeah, she was a good soldier, so I don't have to tell you. Suck it Dude. up. <laughs> <laughs> what does he say walk away grieve for scully and never look back and and on your dying day <laughs> holy shit dude boy yeah this is a guy and that just gives without telling us specifically anything about his background it tells you a lot tons i used to be you that's another mm-hmm. great line here yeah like man you learn a lot about this character without a single detail Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's good writing. You'd be able to live with yourself on the day you die. <laughs> okay. 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 Oh, Weird. <laughs> Mulder doesn't really listen. That's Mulder being basically told you're entering into a different world. You might not belong here. Yep. Go back to the other world. This is a, a much different. Like you can play with the with the Jersey Devil. You know, you can play with the chuka, Chupacabra and shit. But this is like this is different out here. I'm about to Steven Seagal this guy. <laughs> and break his arm and then blow his fucking head off. That's what's about to happen. So until you're ready to be that guy, definitely won't take a hike. <laughs> Does he shoot the guy twice in the head? Twice. Well, the first, <laughs> I oh, guess the first, the first time might be in the chest. They don't show it like really specifically. Yeah, it's it looks weird, like it's the head yeah. kind of, but he's... Uh, Can't mistake it, that it, second one. Nope, nope. That's a great shot in the shadows. Yeah. That's like a, we're going to push him into the hole and bury him with all his friends with a bulldozer. But dude, he fucking deserves it. After Mulder, Mulder's good or lucky enough to kind of get the drop on this guy, maneuver around in the fucking laundry room, go go around the corner, get behind him with the pistol, disarm him. 
but not cuff him? Come on, dude. I know your emotions are caught up, but you're a fucking FBI agent, dude. Handcuff him. <laughs> Prevent him from being a threat. Nope. Just gets the blood vial and... You've and caused dude, me to have to clean up your mess. Yeah. And that's what he does here. He's like, fuck. Mm-hmm. At, at this point, at this point, Mulder and this guy are involved. He doesn't want Mulder to die. So the only other option is to step in here and fucking drop a body. Oh, he drops him. <sighs> yep. Yeah. You want you want to see what it takes to find the truth, Agent Mulder? You want to know what I know? <laughs> and that's about as graphic as you can get in the X-Files. And yeah. I... And it's good. You know, a, 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 a silhouette shot, I guess you'd call yeah, it. Whatever. Cool. A little shadow fucking little <laughs> shadow, shadow box. <laughs> a little shadow play headshot. Uh, yeah, dude. It works. It's intense. Works perfectly. The X is so kinetic, you know? Yes. Very physical. It's awesome. <clears throat> Back to uh, Daily? Yep. Uh, what just happened in the hospital? Uh, no big deal. A little <laughs> shadow play execution stuff. Walter well, runs back upstairs a little sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I miss anything? Hey, guys. Just watch the guy get murdered. It's fine, though. <laughs> I mean, the creep was stealing Scully's blood, her literal blood. Discontinuing <laughs> <laughs> the respiratory does not necessarily mean pulling the plug or ending her life. Ugh. Can I go back downstairs with the killing? <laughs> the little, deliberate killing yeah, instead the, of the... This antiseptic shit. Well, this, this whole exchange, you know... Melissa annoys me sometimes, but she's not wrong. Right. When Mulder, and Mulder's not wrong either. He's right. just being Mulder. It's a bad situation. It's Mulder is thinking about what happened to Scully and who, who did it to her. And Melissa is thinking only about where Dana is right now, which is in a hospital, in a in a situation that she has put on paper and signed with her life that she does not want to live in. Mm-hmm. That is that she is being her life is being unnaturally extended in this weird, sterile, antiseptic fucking way. They wouldn't even let me bring my bag of crystals in here. Yeah. And Can you believe that? No crystals. No crystals. None of them. <sighs> and uh yeah, that's a great line. There's nothing unnatural about death. Mm. We hide Fucking people. True. We hide people in these rooms because we want we we don't want to look. We have machines prolonging people that shit in. That's a much more natural circumstance. Um, a Mulder, Mulder, Mulder's one point is interesting. She's she's needs to be studied, right? He's almost saying she's evidence, or, or Melissa says she's not evidence, or something, and retort to that. Yeah, but there's part of Mulder that makes me think. I wonder, you know, I, I doubt I doubt Scully had this in mind when she wrote the Willish the way she did in this kind of circumstance. Which is one of the things that I think drives Mulder, which lends credence to you saying he's not wrong to think what he does, right? You can't just, yeah, neither of them are. You can't just black and white this one by saying, no, he is wrong because this is Scully's wish, right? You can't. It's not that simple because it is an extenuating circumstance. There is no information to be gained if they just yank it and she dies, which is horrible in its own right. And then we just sort of, what, put it to bed and we never know what happened. The investigation ends. We have no evidence. We don't. Like, I get, obviously, I know Mulder's trying to justify keeping the person he loves more than anyone alive, which makes complete inner sense to me. But his reasons aren't completely terrible either. No, and th- and that's what that's what makes for compelling Indeed. TV, man. I mean, that's Indeed. why this is interesting, is that it's, it's, it's hard. This, this situation is hard and it's terrible, but ultimately, like, Mulder is not the one making the decision. He's not the next of kin. That's right. Uh, Margaret, you know, Mrs. Scully is there and Melissa's there. And when it goes to, to Mrs. Scully and she says, Dana has made her decision. Correct. 
and again, you're hundred percent right with what you said from Mulder's perspective. Like this is not what Dana foresaw. Of course, when she signed this living will. You know, she imagined um, being an old crotchety old fucking bat. Yeah, or she got in a terrible car accident. And Shot she's in, in a face. coma. Yeah, yeah or, you know, it just she was thinking about the medical situation, not what led to it. Indeed. Um, and that's all Mulder can think about is, is how Scully got here. And Margaret has a moment of saying this is more for the family, but you can join us. I mean, there's an olive branch there that I think very respectful. Mulder shakes his fucking head. I know, (laughs) but this is denial. This is such a guy thing. No, but that's hardcore, dude. They're going in there to shut off her respirator and there is a possibility, like you don't know how she's going to react. She could die immediately. Right. And Mulder is saying, like, I can't even, I can't, can't even it. be there for that. Can't handle it. Yeah, man, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's funny. It's funny to think about Mulder and his, and he's, uh, he is a truth cavalier, right? You'd say. And, the, and when the ultimate truth, truth yeah, that's there you a go. truth paladin. When the, when the, when the ultimate truth stares him in the face, he, um, he retreats. You know, it's a tough one. Yeah. The ultimate truth, our mortality. Mm uh well getting back to a uh couple other characters here we get cancer man cms or csm or something yep in in skinner's office dropping a report on skinner's desk going to light up (laughs) i love skinner pointing at the sign (laughs) all of them and he csm lights up anyway takes like two drags and subs it out just to say fuck you yeah just uh just to reestablish the pecking order here (laughs) (laughs) Here's my favorite part, too. Um, Mulder gets called in to Skinner's office. Skinner has some serious questions. Dude, Dude. Mulder better watch his ass. <laughs> hey, Mulder, you watch your ass. Hey, real quick, I know we've been bouncing around a little bit uh, between newly recorded and past recorded episodes, but <laughs> put it in perspective. Hey, remember Dwayne Barry, that guy that you got accused of murdering? Mm-hmm. That was like a couple fucking weeks ago. Yeah, hey, real quick, though. <laughs> Not a jello joke. Have a seat, though, real quick. Put your hands on that fucking hey, armrest. The assistant director of the FBI is is putting a second body on your lap, <laughs> and you're being fucking schoolboy, like, cocky. Yeah, real quick, though. Well, I'm going to fire you. Press charges. <laughs> So well, what does the police report say? <laughs> oh boy. Is there is it about the tooth that was found in the cafeteria jello? Skinner just decks him and he's like, it's about those teeth now. <laughs> oh fuck. Rocks him out. Rocks him. Yeah. Well, a man was executed, Agent Mulder. I was with Scully, Tracer Blur found at the scene. May I see the police report? There was no police report of the incident, Agent Mulder, and there is no body. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I mean Mul- again. Mulder's not wrong, but dude, check your approach. Watch yourself. Because you'll get uh, taken right by the seat of the pants out of that office by that man. Like a child. But he fucking goes right over to that ashtray. It's mm. about him. Cancer man. I think that's the the first time that that term is used. That's cool. Cancer man. Yeah, because we haven't heard it yet. Who is he? Where is he? Mm. Nothing. Nothing. And, and Skinner kind of turns that on him. Why? Mm. You want to go, what, what does he say? He's sleeping with the fishes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's sleeping with the fishes. This is about justice. And of course, Mulder has his own thoughts about what, what justice means. Yeah. But um, I, I like that Skinner kind of hits home last. Mulder backs down a bit and 
Mulder questions. He he brings up this question of basically it, without going through all the dialogue. Skinner essentially, kicks him, it's, kicks him right in the dick. Yeah. What if what if Scully got in the position? I think I never I think, told her. What if what if what if the potential wasn't told to her? And that's on me. Mulder's basically asking, and Skinner says something like, "Then you're then you're to blame as much as the cancer man." Yeah. Hey, take that. Yeah. yeah. You want to fight dirty? Yeah. That's how Skinner does it. Yeah. Hey, real quick though, deserved it. Yep. Yeah, you did. Yeah, cafeteria jello. <laughs> mm. Ah, not the time though, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it is not. I love this next scene. I know it's corny, but I like it. Oh, I love it, dude. It's awesome. Um, yeah, Captain? No, it's like he's got I, four bars on that Navy uniform. Can I throw in a uh, listener comment? By all means, my good man. This is from a uh, current Navy sailor. I don't know her rank, but uh, Diane Renaud, who oh, we mentioned shit. in the past episode. Um, and you can tell she's fucking <laughs> Navy from this comment. Uh, I cry when I listen to Captain Scully speak lovingly and wisely to Scully, perhaps for the first time saying what he never said while alive. Every person who loves another learns the lesson of sudden death before everything has been said. Mm. There were there were triumphs, Mulder choosing love over revenge, Mr. X and Skinner trying to help, sort of, in a strangely moving last act reunion where the unspoken emotions were beautifully addressed without pathos or bathos. That was just a little extra. My one real beef, Captain Scully, why on earth did you tuck the blouse of your dress whites into your trousers? <laughs> and why are you wearing dress whites in November? Holy shit, dude. <laughs> a little Slain. accurate. Fucking military. But he does Stuff. have four. The only reason I know it's four is because of fucking Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, they keep a little consistency there. A little bit, I, yeah. I knew as soon as I was reading the comment, because she... So, dumb thing, but like the Navy, if, you, if you're if you going to abbreviate Captain, it's C-A-P-T. Yep. All, all capitalized. Like you have to capitalize it. Yep. Versus the Marine Corps, it would be C, lowercase, A-P-T. Period, And right? then I... Th- yep. Yeah, uh n- yes and then army is cpt or cpt it. with a period and army is <laughs> right, marines uh do not use a um do not use a period that's the one i should fucking know Jesus <laughs> sorry <laughs> the didn't one. mean to torpedo you there Wait, hey that's, oh, the torpedoes. One, that's the one i was <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> that's hilarious yeah dumb shit yeah. um but, but um this is a a powerful power this is the this is the titular moment right this is a great cameo man one breath it was a, we haven't seen him since obviously since beyond the sea when he died and uh yeah this is where it comes the one breath boy one this moment. is this isn't this is no joke um there were many moments basically when he says he, he says he reconciles that at the end of his life he understood he'd never see her again he knew in that moment then my life felt as if it had been the length of one breath one heartbeat i never knew how much i loved my daughter until i could never tell her at that moment, I would have traded every medal, every commendation, every promotion for one more second with you. We'll be together again, Starbuck, but not now, soon. Yeah, that's um, that's the um, that's the uh, that's the big one. We have a listener of the Science Fiction Film Podcast, Joe Polcini, and um, I know you're quite familiar with him. And he uh, he used to work with terminal cancer patients. That's a tough that's a tough bid. And um, it was always this. It was always this lesson, what Ahab is saying here, William Scully. Yeah. It was always, always time, the unrenewable resource, something we've preached at length on the LSG podcast, just by way of our interactions with, uh, you know, other people that we've heard whose time were cut short. And uh, it's, uh, boy, that's some heavy shit. Yep. It's heavy shit. 
We'll be together again soon, but not now. Mm. Great cinematography. Great cinematography here. The way they have the light for him to fade back into, or, or actually to directly walk into and sort of vanish behind it. Really slick. Yeah, yeah that way like overwashed bright white light, and then him in the dress whites and Scully in the white like white gown. It, it's just great. It's very, you know, kind of quote-unquote divine. Indeed. You know, kind of purgatory-ish, but... But it looks beautiful. Yeah. You know what I mean? It really does. It really kind of heightens the emotional stakes of the moment. Mm. Nurse Owens, guardian angel of sorts, I guess you'd say, huh? Very much so. Yeah. Uh, it's not your time, basically, Nurse Owens is saying. Yeah, that's her continual message as she's coaching coaching Dana along. And Melissa drops this hardcore shit on Fox. Like, no matter what, it doesn't matter if you find this person and you use your whole life doing it, it's not going to change the outcome. Ben, you are... You are just doing everything you can. Melissa, huh? And she's saying, she's like talking about how karma will have justice, basically. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So. So. Uh, so you don't believe in doing anything. Just something will happen. That's, um, that sounds about right. Powerful. <laughs> Powerful. Oof. If you didn't have that choker on, I wouldn't even look at you. Mm. The hair up night is nice too. The strands. Mm, yeah. I dig it. She is oh, two drinks away from taking that fucking hair out. She <laughs> tumbled down around her shoulders real nice like. There was actually a a thought about... Um, Him banging her? It, yeah, introducing a romantic element. And boy, am I glad they didn't. Me too. Would that have been fucking awful timing? <laughs> Dude, shippers got all up in arms because Mulder fucked some like, vampire wannabe in LA while Scully was like, you know, to the winds. Hmm. And and you think anyone is gonna gonna sit there hmm. calmly while she fucks her sister Oof. while he fucks her sister when, as she's on her deathbed? Oof. Boy, would that have been tone deaf? That would have been uh, that would have been the the you know I don't I don't like to judge people in all those situations, but that's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, that's two a, weeks after that's she died, that's a dirty sure. dirty scumbag move. Sure, yeah. I mean after. You're you're grieving. You, you want to set it up it at together. the funeral for like a, a meetup. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, you okay. both you both pretend it's a plutonic thing, but you know, you know, you're, you just want to hold each other. You just want to mm-hmm. for touching his wife's feet. He fucking knew what he was doing. Pulp <laughs> fiction. <laughs> anyway, let's let's talk about the uh, <laughs> the trade craft involved, dude. So you need. You need to get this lady. This is really awkward. To excuse me, do you have change for the cigarette machine? This lady's fired. <laughs> because I need cigarettes to smoke. No? <laughs> oh, there are cigarettes here. They are not my brand. I shall leave them and exit through the door I came in. I'm a stranger. I do not know either of you. Goodbye. God, this is a really bad moment in this episode. It's the only one. It's like, true. Dude, I know like it's a, it's a neat visual of Mulder unwrapping the pack and like yeah. there's a fucking... So Getting wait, to that moment sucks, but that moment's cool. But even that moment, if you think about it, what did fucking Skinner like shrink wrap a pack of Morley's? He did, man. Eh? And then hire this girl to... I mean, it, it couldn't have cost him much money. Gone to an acting class and found the first person to fucking leave a recital because... Clearly didn't last. She ain't working. No, no. But but what is going on here? 
Like, is Dude. that really the best way to get him the address surreptitiously? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of the whole process. God. <laughs> if you break down, like, how did you put this together? I just imagine, like, Skinner in his office looking at a surveillance tape of this going, oh, God, no, no. <laughs> like, like, this is what we talked about. You know what I mean? Like, critiquing it while watching it on some sort of CCT. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, maybe just like write the address on a pack of Morley's and like put it at the fucking on the floor of Mulder's car. You know, like he gets in and he kind of like no, shifts in his seat. No, no, you don't like that? <laughs> of course I do. I'm <laughs> kidding. Okay, I mean, you break into his car, you you fucking put the post-it on a steering wheel. Ben Prue in the chat. He's an AD in the FBI. It's easy. <laughs> yeah, fucking failed actors all around you getting ready to play bit parts and <laughs> seal up fake fake cigarette packs. Oh, shit. Come on, Ben. Tradecraft zero. Yeah. Anyway, pretty anyway. elaborate, but... We get the point. 900 West Georgia. 1,000% worth. Oh. Yeah. That's the other... Yeah, from Aaron. Good thing no one else took that pack. Hey, dude, I'm a smoker. If if I went to a cigarette machine and there was a different brand of cigarettes, that's fucking like $10. I'm taking that pack. Fucking A, man. Just sitting there? Are you kidding me? Dude. Come on. Yeah. But... Soft. Whatever. We we joke. It's worth the payoff, dude. Talk oh, to me. Uh, T- talk to me about just what you think before Mulder even arrives about the first look at Cigarette Smoking Man, not just being the dark, powerful guy in the corner, like of of a you know a meeting or whatever mm. in the FBI. What do you think about this look at him? I fucking love it. Yeah, yeah. I just love this moment. It's crazy to see him vulnerable and sort of just sitting there doing his thing. First of all, it's crazy that Mulder gets in. He's just drinking beers, having a couple smokes, being well. A- well that that's kind of what I mean. Like, what do you think about the actual position you find him in? Oh, like, yeah, like, you, you know mean what I mean. Like, easily this- being snuck up on. No, I mean more like <clears throat> I, I I don't know if this is an apartment or a hotel room, but this dingy kind of spot with a couple empty bottles of Budweiser, watching like this shitty. Very shitty, very simple, you know, very basic kind of fucking sad situation. I like it because I think it says to me that his entire life is work. Yeah. He has nothing in his life. Nothing. And this is, he lives for all the other shit. This is his one moment where he goes to sleep. These are the moments before he goes to sleep every night, before he gets up and goes and just ruins and controls lives all day again. This is what he retreats to. It makes him seem so much more like... Like a, like a half person. Like he's not a real person. He's just a function. It's really creepy, man. You know, he's not going to have kids and a wife fucking running around. He's just, he's a dark soul, this guy. And uh, we see it. I think there's just nothing, nothing on the wall. Like you said, shit on TV, he doesn't give a fuck about. I doubt he's thinking about it. I, I really like the element. And I think it's something that, I, I think the character kind of moved away from this because I think later... Later on, yeah, I mean, we literally see him in these like kind of grand like manners out in the countryside, yeah, yeah. which is very different. It's a little bit of an inconsistency, but this is something I really enjoy, and that's ex- because of exactly what you said. Mm. You know, he's not in it for money and power, and it, it's interesting. Like reading these notes about kind of uh, how the 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 actor approached the role oh. that, in, in his mind. He 
tried to play the character in this scene. This is the first scene where he had, or the first episode where he had anything of a significant speaking lines, anything more than a, a, a single one liner here or there. Um, this is the first real like back and forth um, interaction that he's had in the, mm-hmm. in the series was this, this episode. And he tried to play it like in his mind, in, in his story, he was the hero. Like cool. he was doing the right thing. Which I think he really shifts into kind of like Star Wars bad guy. Like, mm, yeah, y- you know what I mean? Like, yep. there's not a lot of nuance. Like, yeah, he he tries to kind of like, he always gives the Dr. Evil kind of <laughs> perspective about why he's doing something. But there's never any like question that he's just a fucking straight up bad guy. And I, I kind of really dig like this thought that like in his mind, he's, you know, if people knew what I know, everything would fall apart. Yeah. And just grizzled to the max. Yeah. Don't threaten me, Mulder. I've watched presidents die. That's fucking one of the most gangster oh, lines of shit. all time. Plural, by the way. I know. All right. I asked the questions, you son of a bitch. The company's so not intimidating. No. Yeah, he doesn't have it. And and cigarette smoking man fucking sees right through him. Oh, God. Are you kidding Yep. And you know why? You know why? Because up his sleeve, up his sleeve, he knows that the most irresistible thing to Mulder is what? Capital T. Capital T. Truth. Yes. The cigarette smoking man already has, he's way ahead of you. You're pushing your fucking dumb little pawns and he already sees the checkmate in three moves, brother. He's way ahead of you. He knows what you're mad about. He knows why you're there. He's probably not overly, he was surprised someone was in his house. And to be perfectly frank, relieved when it wasn't some Russian guy. (laughs) As soon as he sees Mulder, he's like, thank God. I can Glad manipulate it was a this. Crycheck coming yeah. back on him. <laughs> I can manipulate this fucking child. I, I do like. I do think there's a beat of like, oh shit, and he says it. He straight up says right. like, right. You know, I I told um I told Skinner, you the one that killed that guy down in the laundry room, or whatever. I didn't believe it for a second, but seeing you here with a gun in my face, you know, you've you're impressing me or whatever. Um, I I think there is a moment of Mulder holding a gun to his head that he's actually like, oh shit. Yeah, maybe. maybe there's maybe but this it's is very, how it go. It only takes him a couple moments to read him and be like, nope, he's not a fucking killer. No, like he sees it that fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild. Karma, it's, Carmelita in the chat. Not the first time he's looked down the barrel. No shit, right? Hundred fucking percent. I've watched That's fucking it. presidents die. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Dude, that's gangster he, shit. He, he, man, that's why I'll win. Once he knows he has Mulder, then he just plays some games. A little bit of games, man. He's playing not games. Fair. Not even fair. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. It's funny to look at. We've never seen him in a position where, you know, it, it's funny. This is where you kind of get back into cinematography, right? There is, you know, these the eye lines, the, the clear the clear, aggressive alpha over-posturing, standing over him with a gun in his face. But what's interesting about this is that as this unfolds, we, we the way they shoot this is you never get a shot of, except for, I think, right when it starts, there's a clear shot of Mulder and the cigarette smoking man in the frame at the same time, which is a clear shot of dominance. It's a great 
I'm looking down at you. My eyeline shoots down to you. I am above you. I have power over you right now. And then after that, it's just it's just like a two shot. We see cigarette smoking man with a gun in the frame, and we see Mulder with a cigarette smoking man not in the frame. And because cinematography is so talked about in this episode, I can't help but see that almost like as the visual representation of the eroding confidence of Mulder versus the initial encounter, which is him clearly dominating him, and then it just starts to cut back and forth. And then, of course, cigarette smoking man just playing it so well. The things he says, blowing the smoke at Mulder is such a fuck you. Uh, Just great. Just yeah, great. The, the difference of the guy who showed up and was going to fucking snatch that cigarette out of his mouth mm-hmm. with a gun in his face to the guy who just kind of sits there. In the rattled. face. The facial expression of, this, of the, oh, of the rattled, cancer man. man. The, only time it, the only time it changes is when you see a tiny bit of a smirk in his speaking start coming across, which is his realization that Mulder is, is done. That's it. Yeah. Game over. You can you see the smile sort of creeping in. It's great. Yeah. Ah, what a great scene, dude. It's good. And I is there any better way to follow that than to go from here oh. to Mulder fucking giving up. Yeah. Right? I mean, in his yeah. office typing up a letter of resignation. Dude, Cancer Man fucked you up so bad you quit the job. (laughs) (laughs) What? Dude, Dude. what success level on manipulate someone? Oh my God, he crushes him. (laughs) Is that? That's like a critical success. Complete, you would say. (laughs) (laughs) You you quit the job you came here to do. That is so funny. But it's fucking brutal, man. Doesn't even even make a good formatted letter. Just real simple. Real simple Microsoft Word kind of shit. I saw a joke. It was like a, just an MMA joke. You know, Anthony Pettis recently knocked out Wonder Boy. And they were like, Anthony Pettis, because he Superman punched him, which is wild. You know, just how flashy oh, KO. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, they're like, Anthony Pettis knocked out Wonder Boy so bad that McGregor retired. <laughs> I was like, that's really good. <laughs> and that's what it is. You know, like, he's, he fucking, he got in your head so bad, you literally threw your career away. <laughs> it's Jesus, man. <laughs> Crazy. This leads to... um, Dude, this is amazing. One of the... Is this the... I think the first real personal scene with Skinner. I mean, the closest being to when he opened the the X-Files back up. Uh, a couple kind of brief moments in his office where he definitely shows some empathy to Mulder and or Scully. But this moment here, when Dude, he, he comes down to this office, this is a different Skinner. I, I don't want to overstate this. But this is one of the best scenes in the show for me thus far. No shit. It's wicked good. Pelegi, right? Is that how I say it? I think so, yeah. He annihilates this. And I could, dude, I felt, you know, I don't get emotional over a show like X-Files. Do you know what I mean? That's not to, that's, that's not to belittle the show. It's just because of the nature of the writing, right? And I was like, dude, this is so, watch, w- watch it 10 times, man. You know, when he's like to lose myself and Scully and he's shuffling his papers, Mulder saying this shit, I hate what I've become. And there's this moment right there where where you can see Mitch going into this with Skinner. He, this big exhale, this taking the glasses off, this preparing myself for what I'm about to do here. I, I don't know, man, this really did it for me. Um, it really did it for me because Mulder, when Mulder gets an idea in his head, he's very selfish 
in that he is he's very stubborn. And there could be no more intense moment for a character like Mulder than to get so fucked up by the cigarette smoking man to be so fucked up because of a shikonoma scully to where you just want to resign because you feel like you failed utterly and completely. You're done. You're in the dumps. And to know that he's about to be persuaded by this man is really when you when you put it in that framework and then you watch it a few times, it's like, fuck man, this is just really, really good to me. It's amazing. It's so good, dude. <laughs> it's you know, it's it's funny. Uh, BP in the chat just mentioned um, the episode "Kitten," right? Mm. With um, Haley Joel fucking two dozen donuts, Osmond, <laughs> with his uh, prepper whole, backyard. Yeah, yeah, but that yeah, you know, we, rem- we see Skinner's like past basically. I remember. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I think we were in that episode when we recorded. I was like, oh yeah, I know. Like that came up that he was a Marine of Vietnam, mm-hmm, but yep. like the specifics, I forgot that he ever. This story just didn't ring back to me, and um, it's it's. Uh, I'm actually going to enjoy going back and watching that episode, but just the delivery of it, the story itself, and to see Mulder react to it because of what you just said, Mulder is so. He's done. He's just so self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. You know, he is. Yep, that's a good way it, to say it. And not even. I don't mean that one hundred percent in a bad way. He just he's consumed he lives, by the, he's, the things. Yeah. Yep. And, and and some of the things are good things. The the quest for truth and justice and his care for Scully even is like self-absorbed. He's caring about Scully in his way. Yeah. Not about of not about Scully as a independent person. You know, it's, you know he's caring about his Scully, not not Dana Scully, the person that's outside me. What and, Spock would say to him, let me just say this real quick. He would say what he says to McCoy all the time, right? Really, Doctor, you must learn to govern <laughs> your passions or they will be your undoing. Yep. Boy, does that apply to Mulder. But when you see Mulder just stop, like looking up from the desk, just straight scaring it, staring at Skinner, and, and the delivery of Pelagi is so fucking good. Oh my good. God, dude. It's fucking great. And he's like, the show and the character and the actor has earned this moment big time. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it pays off in a big way. And it pays off in a lot of ways, man. It's personal. And the whole the whole element of him being outside his body, there's a little bit of like weird kind of supernatural element to it, where he's like, "I never, I will never look back. I, I'll, I'll never look beyond that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm afraid to look beyond that." I think is what he actually says. You are not. Your resignation is unacceptable, dude. Like it, it dude. It hits at so many fucking levels that it's just. It's a, he, yeah, <laughs> he, he, yeah. Fire for effect, dude. He just levels <laughs> Mulder with that. And that's it. That's a fucking... Mm. And, and Mulder, his only, his only last line as, as Skinner's leaving is, you, it was you. You gave me. Like, that's when he realizes. His last, his last line is, I'll be, I'll be here tomorrow at nine, sir. <laughs> do, I, do I owe you any reports or anything? Do you, uh, how do you like your coffee, sir? <laughs> <laughs> fucking should be. Dude. Jesus, man. Yeah, he really levels them. And it's just really badass, man. It's I don't know why I just... This must have hit me in the right moment at the right time, but it really worked. Um, it, it just... When I was 18, I, uh, you know, he's like, I enlisted and I blew his head off. I mean, oh, the way he says it, man. It shot a fucking ten year old from ten yards away, it, and there's uh, the line about losing his faith 
in everything. Yeah. He's like, not my country. Not my, and how he prefaced everything. the whole thing with, you know, I enlisted in the Marine Corps because of, you know, whatever. And maybe I still do believe in that. Mm-hmm. And then to follow it up with, I lost faith in everything. Like, it wasn't just like a, oh, I got jaded on the war and why we were there and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's it's like way beyond that. Way beyond that. Way Because you've seen that. the horrors of, of humanity. It's, it's yes. apocalypse now. A hundred percent. It's apocalypse <laughs> Which is now. ironic because right. I listened to you talk about apocalypse now right. today. Right. That's awesome. Um, That's what it was. It was just this complete and utter break for him yep. in that moment. And, and that just shows you how powerful he is to even to rebound and to find the position he finds himself in. Like it's it, power, it, it brings it, a lot to Skinner. It, it's, it's so fucking powerful that the following scene seems light. <laughs> and, and, and it's a scene with a guy who like, I feel just fucking owns the, 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 the screen every time he's there, mm-hmm. Mr. X. And it kind of, it feels lightweight <laughs> after you get away with Skinner. Not bad, but it's just like, you know, his appearance after the weight of that, it's hard to, uh, to feel the hammer in the same way, but still very cool here. Dude, with, it's, with Mr. it's outstanding. And you can feel it. I feel like, I, I feel like it is being, I, I feel like he's choking back kind of the emotion and it's just strong, but it, th- there's not just that, but there's also in disclosing you, you become more relatable. You become more human and people buy into you even more. You know, this, this story, not only was it poignant and important to the moment, but it was also on a meta level for, for uh, Skinner. It was a, I'm going to disclose to you this thing and, and create value in you where you see none. Right now, you see no value in yourself. Here's value. I'm going to share with you something I don't share with people. Thus, you know me. Me to share this with you shows you that I value you and that you still have value. I'm proving you wrong, basically. And and to tell to say that he is afraid of something and you are not. Mm-hmm. I am Dude. afraid of this thing. You are not afraid of it. Your resignation is unacceptable. Right. <sighs> <laughs> after that fucking story yeah 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 dude that's ah, i was in vietnam though and <laughs> i'm not and i'm leader. scared and you're not so yep that's great leadership yeah it's awesome fucking great can't can't love that scene enough mate Boy, and the hits gonna, keep I'm coming gonna, from Older. i'm gonna get off this podcast and go watch that scene that's so good dude yeah um but yeah mr x next <laughs> <laughs> this dude rules the only thing I don't like is like Mulder cracking a joke after that last scene. I know. It's I a know. good joke. It's a good one. It is. But I'm like, come on. After <laughs> 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 oh, Skinner, you're fucking, you're numb. You watch yourself. Pins and needles from fucking yeah. toes to fucking eyebrows. Well, what does he say again? <laughs> X holds up the plane ticket and he's like, but we hardly even know each other. Uh, oh, or yeah. something like that. Good Lord. Do you want this man to hurt you? He will hurt you, Mulder. <laughs> He's pistol whips him like Ray Liotta. Goddamn. <laughs> you make a joke about the airlines again, you're dead. You're fucking dead. <laughs> points, but, a gun uh, his, points a gun at all the Mulder's like tennis playing friends. <laughs> this is this is X's offer. Not even offer. This is just, it's not an offer. It's just an offering, yeah. I guess, is yeah, the better like term for it. Uh, here's a plane ticket. Because of this plane ticket, these people think you're going to be gone. They think you have evidence about Scully's disappearance. They will be at your apartment at 817. 
this is your opportunity to do your justice. Defend yourself with terminal intent. The law is <laughs> not going to do it. Basically, not even... Kill them all. Yeah, he's not even really offering the truth here. Just no. vengeance. Dude. I mean, maybe there's maybe there's some truth to find. You know, I'm sure Mulder might might see that those nuggets of truth in there with these people that you know because he's telling them like these are the people that are responsible for what happened to, to Scully. Mm. But what he's actually offering is just fucking cold hard vengeance, mm-hmm. and they're never going to get it otherwise. Just tells them like nothing's going to fucking happen to these people if you don't do it. So so rad, dude. And he gives it to him on a fucking platter. Yeah, why not? He's X. And uh, probably the the darkest moments of the episode are are the couple couple beats that follow this, right? Right. Like Mulder in the apartment, Melissa's visit. Hmm. <laughs> the further we get from the hospital, the harder this gets, man. <laughs> uh, fucking men are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> why is anyway. it so dark the lights are off oh thanks spock <laughs> fucking a. Um, because the lights aren't on yeah exactly but um i came from the hospital dr daly says she's weak and it could be any time so i figured you'd want to come down and see her i can't well i didn't think you would but this is where she this is where melissa does some good shit here right? Why don't you just drop your cynicism and your paranoia and your defeat? You know, just because it's positive and good doesn't make it silly or trite. Why is it so much easier for you to run around trying to get even than just expressing how you feel? I expect more from you. Dana expects more. That is a damning, damning statement from Melissa Scully. Yep. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to hide from it's easy to it's easy to create responsibility within yourself to hide yourself from real life, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I can't be there for this thing that really matters because I'm busy doing this other thing, which matters to me, but in the grand scheme of things, I should probably rearrange this and go do the thing I know is the right thing to do and put this on hold for a minute, you know? Well, yes, I, I would even up it from that because it's... <clears throat> It's not, it's very specifically not something that can be rearranged. Right. That's a great point. It's the power of it is that it's a one-time opportunity and to give it up is to give it up forever. Right. Absolutely. Whether it's to learn from it, whether it's to get a step closer to the truth or whether it's just to fucking inflict pain Mm -hmm. and, and death and vengeance on the people that are responsible for it. Whatever that is that he's seeking, fucking sitting there in the dark with his fucking sidearm, it, it's now or never. Mm-hmm. So what Melissa is saying in a very pure and true way is, is ringing hollow in Mulder's ears at first because that's he's closed himself off. Because he's afraid to face it. It's fear. It's fear that's driving him more than anything. Yep. And boy, did he experience a bunch of it this this episode from many sources. Yeah. Yeah. What, one of the moments that elevate this episode like above and beyond to like, to an episode I really love and and emotionally hammers home is this scene with Melissa is really good and then the scene when he goes to the hospital is really good. Mm -hmm. And, a, f- a way weaker decision would be that's it. Like he goes to the hospital, he sits by Scully's bed, he talks to her, 
They sit there, there's a cut, and then Scully comes back and he's holding her hand and, you know, he's kind of nodding off to sleep and, and she comes, you know, she wakes back up and, and it's okay. It's, it's the, it's that moment in between when Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen. When he goes to the hospital, he goes to her, he has that moment where he talks to her, you know, and he, he talks to her about her beliefs and she, I think you believe that you're not ready to go. Right. You have the strength of your beliefs and whatever. And I'm here, but Mm -hmm. I'm here. And after all that, they don't just fucking, they don't give you the payoff. It doesn't come. And he goes back home to that dark, tossed apartment where that opportunity that he had is fucking gone. Yep. And that moment in the doorway is fucking awesome. Or yeah. he just, the, the patience they have with it, for him to just fucking stand there and his, he sinks. That just like really fucking, I love to come to here. Like that. It's great slow sink to his knees and his, his fucking hands like just open in front of him. Like that's, you gave up that moment and you have nothing to show for it and maybe nothing fucking changed and maybe Scully's still going to die. That's like the darkest. That's the darkest moment of the episode for me and the one that I kind of like connect with the most. Mm-hmm. Where he, he made that decision, he gave up that thing that he had a chance for, whatever it was, vengeance, truth, whatever, with nothing. Nothing to show for it. Yep. But, but the knowledge that he went to Scully. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You're because you don't know. You don't have the reassurance in the moment. So you feel you you have I guess you could say the metaphorical rock bottom here because he's not sure. And now he's thinking, did I miss my opportunity and now am I going to get the phone call I don't want to get? Yeah. I mean there's he's, really a, he's at the bottom of the bottom. But but you know, if we follow the cheesy metaphors of darkest before the dawn, this is what we get. Yeah. And, he, and you're right about that phone call because, man, does he wait. Oof. He waits for that one. Does not pick that up on the first ring. No. Yeah. But he does pick it up because this is where he's arrived, you know? Yep. It is Dawn. It is Dawn. And he's got that smile <clears throat> because we see uh, that sh- that shot of, I guess we saw it right before here, but Scully's the flickering kinda, eyes, yeah. Yeah, kind of POV and then back in the hospital and Nurse Wilkins coming back this was after another looking on the on the fucking boat there's <laughs> Owens um and uh Scully's back and then then the next time we see her it's it's real real life it's just it's Mulder showing up and she's in a recovery room and she's out of the ICU and he's got uh what the fuck does he have her what does he say like something about Santa's I kept backing up like Santa's it's like Super Bowl thing Oh, oh, oh. What the um, fuck does he bring her? Super Bowl moment, some kind of VHS tape or something. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> He's a jabroni. Mulder, but but on. the smiles here are great. Um, the touch, the, 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 the strategic use of a, of a soft lighting here is really nice. Um, the decision to go with a little bit different palette here is really nice. Uh, it's a warmer color. Slick, yes. man. Slick. Yep. It's this, yeah, feels different than the entire rest of the episode. We are somewhere else. Superstars of the Super Bowl. God damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a great moment. Um, in the chat, Monica's saying, you know, this is good up for Mulder's character development. It actually shows he isn't it's just a selfish, stubborn pain in the ass, which is true. It's uh, this, he is, and, and I kind of want to say this for my, for my final thoughts, but he learned a lot this week. <laughs> yeah. 
That's learned a, a lot. That's an understatement. It's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to blow my uh, my final thoughts here just yet. Hold, <laughs> hold. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's great. The the like the laugh of Scully of like oh at, at when he hands her that tape like I knew I knew I had to live for something. Mm, yeah, and then how he kind of like tries great. to leave leave quick like that. Mulder's just not really good with a personal intimacy and he's like well I just you know I know you gotta rest and whatever and he goes to leave and Scully stops him and that line about I, I had the strength of your beliefs Oof. when the last thing he told her when she was still out in the ICU was you know I I, I think that you believe like mm-hmm. that it's cool that they're both talking basically they're both saying like the the strength of each other's beliefs you know the the mutual respect you know something that margaret even even talked about earlier in the, right. earlier in the episode is really cool and Mulder's reaction to take take the cross mm-hmm. the necklace he was hanging on to and to bring it back to her and say i i was you know i was i've been holding this for you yeah fucking fucking badass totally badass and uh yeah and it's cool and then uh i do I like I like the little Nurse Owens thing. Me too. I, I really fucking dig it. It's me too. It's almost the most X filey moment. Yeah, of the for episode, sure. right? Yeah, you know, in a way. Yep, hundred percent. Yep, I dig it a lot. It's a great. It's a great way to wrap. It's good at man. Yeah, it's really good. Fucking great. One breath, baby. One breath, baby. <clears throat> well, well. Listener comments. Yes. Fucking uh, open up, baby birds. Because daddy's got one sweet fat night crawler for you. I got a... I don't usually do this, and I only suck his dick every other week. But this is a personal favorite of BP9000, and uh, he sent me a, sent us a great email. Um, and just kind of as a appreciation for him, I do... And, and it's a great thought. So I, I'm going to read this fucker. It's a little bit long, but it's great. So from uh, BP9000, thoughts on one breath. Here it is. When I was young, the excitement of Dwayne Barry and Ascension captivated me. In the last 10 years, it's the last 10 years that I realized one breath is the gem of this trilogy and has one of the most important moments in the series, in my opinion, as well as major development by multiple characters that has felt throughout the rest of the series. It starts off with a moving uh, moving story about young Dana, a story that shows her empathy at such a young age that she displays often throughout the series. Mulder immediately goes into truth mode upon seeing Scully. This is important as it is the undercurrent for this entire episode. So much happens in, the, in this episode. Frohickey's talks, Mulder and X's confrontation. Mulder confronting CSM is amazing in which the most badass villain line I've ever heard is said, don't threaten me, Mulder. I watched presidents die. This was a great line on many levels, but most importantly, it lets you know just how deep CSM is involved in the conspiracy because you believe him right away. Skinner's tale about Vietnam was just another layer to what was already a great episode and really brings him into the fold as an important character. Now for the heart and soul of this episode, the heart. The scene with Scully's father is just beautiful. As a father with three boys and only one daughter, it gets me choked up every time and adds a deep layer of emotion that resonates with me personally and is wonderfully activated, act, acted by Don S. Davis. Finally, the soul. As Josh pointed out in Ascension, Mulder was trying to put was starting to put Scully first. Yes and no. Fuck you, pal. Yes, because it is the start of him putting her first, but no, because it was partly due just to immediate danger of her life, and as soon as she is found, he immediately goes back into truth mode. It's finally at the moment when he sits by her side and says, I'm here. 
that he makes the conscious choice to put her first, to say that she is more important than the truth or justice or really anything else. In that moment, she becomes the most important thing in his life. This is a huge step for Mulder and why I believe it may be the most important episode of the series. Fuck. This episode is jam-packed with suspense, conspiracy, amazing confrontations, and even a little unexplained, Nurse Owens. It's hard to believe it's only 45 minutes long. It's X-Files at its very best. Um, that's a fucking really awesome, uh, just a fucking great take. I mean. Yeah, it's good, man. You can read that and get a lot into the series. Um, you got any uh I do. I got just a quick hitter on part of Ruth's comment where she says, for me, it comes together to make a gently, gently, a gently powerful episode that ties the Dwayne Barry Ascension arc together with tension and action, but also a focus on human emotion, the central character relationships, and ultimately their values. I really like that part of that comment. Because it's true. It is a focus on the emotion of everything. And also, it starts to highlight value um, in their values. And whenever you start to highlight a character's values, you are starting to help us build them and make them more believable and rounded characters. And I think she is right on the money with that. It is a different feeling than Ascension. It is a different feeling than Dwayne Barry. But it also feels like it is also part of those episodes, but just in a different way. There you go. There you go, pal. Shit. I like it. There was a bunch, There's a bunch of them. I just can't yeah. read them all. Yeah, and we did a lot uh, in our little little wrap-up of uh, One Breath uh, or uh, Dwayne Barron Ascension. So, um, Final thoughts, baby, on One Breath, on this whole whole little arc. So, what do you think Mulder learned this week, Dean? Boy, uh, <laughs> Mulder learned about humility because Mulder walks among giants. Think about the people he interacts with in in this final episode. He interacts with X. He interacts with Cigarette Smoking Man. He interacts with Skinner. And boy, does every one of those guys put him in his place. And I think it's very important for Mulder to learn that exercise in many different facets. And I don't mean that they showed him up and they fucking, they teabagged him and they dunked on him and put their nuts in his face. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that and it's not because they tried to, although Cigarette Smoking Men did. It was more because they highlighted parts of this job and parts of themselves as characters that really reminded Mulder about the importance of humility, about the importance of sometimes being in a position where tough choices are made despite your personal feelings about those choices, right? Yeah. To say something like, I watch presidents die or I shot a 10-year-old or I'm going to blow this guy away in front of you. I've been where you are. I think those interactions are the understated and under, not underappreciated. I don't want to make it sound like I'm fucking Marco Polo. And no one's ever thought of this before. But the obvious stuff here is the stuff with Mulder and his reconciliation and his feelings surrounding Scully, obviously. But... I really liked that other part of it, which is something I maybe maybe wouldn't have gotten had I not been watching these in order. And that's the interaction with Skinner, with X, and with Cigarette Smoking Man. And how all three of those men made Mulder learn important lessons in humility in many different ways. And that is badass to me. Obviously, the stuff between him and Scully is great. I think we've talked about that part of it to death, but when I start to think about it, you know, while we were talking, I just wrote, I wrote, Mulder's walking among giants. 
because I was thinking of that and I just wanted to remind myself of that. And, and I'm not saying he doesn't belong. I'm walking among those men. I think he does. And I'm, I'm metaphorically talking about walking here, but, but it is, it is really cool to see. It's very rare to see him interact with three people who have something in a power dynamic over him and that he can learn from in a very uncomfortable way. And I just thought it was awesome. Um, I liked it a lot. You know, if you space this out and made it episodic, you could almost make it this odyssey of sorts where he runs into these three different wise men. And uh, I just thought that that was really cool. A really cool part of this episode is that is that revelation I had about 15 minutes ago. And I dig it, man. And uh, I like, I love it. Love you know? it. I yeah. love it. Dude, great, dude, great job, man. Great job to pull in actually a really, a really fresh original take into this episode, which uh, after all we've talked about leading up to it and talking about it, uh, I'm not comp- uh, capable of doing. <laughs> like, yes, you are. Knock that, it off. No, that was really that whole uh, idea of, I mean, I can, you know, obviously thought of Skinner's, you know, Skinner's role is really important, that scene. And I just thought of them as individual scenes, but it's a really cool take to kind <clears> of <throat> how that, the perspective that puts Mulder in, but mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, I mean, and you know, and, and even and even Melissa, right? Yeah. In a smaller sense. But but yeah, it was cool to see him. Th- there was no respite from the truth in any, that's what it is, man. You, you know, it's like he, he struggles for this truth and boy, did he get it from four different people in four very different ways. And not the truth he wanted. No. But th- maybe no. the fucking truth that he needed. Aha. Uh-huh. Now that's a good observation. Yeah. He, the, the truth to Mulder is something that he, he has already like defined. Like Indeed. He, yes, sir. Which is weird. It's like. <clears throat> Confirmation bias. A hundred percent. You, you pose a question that maybe you don't know the exact answer, but you know the paradigm of the answer. You know, <laughs> you're asking a math question and you know the fucking, the answer is going to be a number. You don't know the exact number, but it's somewhere in this range. It's the, uh, it's the, if, if your only tool is a hammer, the world is nails, kind of. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, um, yeah, what really happens here is there, there's two things. I mean, what you just said, all, all these, these fucking heavy hitters weighing in on Mulder and these, di- and not just heavy, but different, different mm, perspectives. For you sure, know? man. Especially when you bring in somebody like Melissa, um, these perspectives that aren't incorrect, like, mm-hmm. You know, how, how we talked about, like, Melissa is not incorrect when she talks about how she feels about Dana in this moment and what's important and what, what is best for her and what is the right thing, what is natural and whatever. And X is incorrect when he talks about, you know, what what is right and what is what is the thing that needs to happen here right. for, from his point of view. And even cigarette smoking, man, we talked, you know, I mentioned how you know this uh and you you had a really good take on you know him as this you know he's in the fucking fight it's he's not about it. you know it's that's it there's no fucking downtime you know you can kind of take a look, quick time out but but he's in it to win it mm. and it's, though, yeah dude that's a great point too those are all very real fucking perspectives those aren't those aren't perspectives that are relative to Mulder. Those those things all stand independent. Like those are fucking like if you're running, go right back to the like RPG mode. If you're running a, a really good role playing campaign, 
These are great NPCs for sure. Whose whose motivations and 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 aspirations and goals are one hundred percent independent of the player characters. Like these are real, fleshed out, true. Have their own good perspectives. Whether it's Skinner or it's you know Mister X or CSM or Melissa or Margaret, and that's not in the fucking main characters. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you had you, you. In other words, you had a collision course with a with very pre-established people. real people and you know i like this idea of (laughs) i like this idea of Mulder trying to retreat into something that he can control only to realize he has none when he interacts with skinner and x and csm right he he hides from he hides from the unabashed truth right that that the devil him himself feels right that's that's Mulder feeling the unabashed truth of, of 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 melissa saying this is the way it is, pal, and him going, fuck this, I'm going to go to work where I have control. Oh, no, no. X is about to show you you have none, and so is CSM, and when you try to run and hide, Skinner's going to stop gap you hard because he's lived a life too, you know. So take your head out of your fucking ass and get your shit together. It's just great. It's just a great learning experience for him all around. It's fucking great. And it's great that it took all those angles and perspectives because the easy thing is just to look at it and say, all right, it was this crazy situation of tragedy and in the end Mulder came to appreciate Scully more and put and, and value her higher sure um, and you're not man, wrong it, <laughs> not wrong but it took a lot of things to make that happen yeah and yeah, that's man. fucking awesome man and a great yeah, man great job and great uh, you too yeah great job great, to the listeners great comments great comments great involvement you know great email from BP but great comments from everybody the whole all, on all these episodes the you know the precursor the last one we have with Dwayne Barron Ascension and going into this and just in general man like great great involvement on the in the live chat tonight uh, we don't always shout back to it a lot um, it, you know especially this one man I feel like we were really going back and forth with <laughs> some serious <laughs> conversation <laughs> I was in real ramble mode tonight too. I don't know why, but I was. No, that's fun. Off on a, a lot, lot of times, fucking... a lot of times when you ramble, though, you're going to start to stumble across things you might not. There's a there's a power in free associate, man. I really do believe in that. I, I, I do it all, of, dude. I do it all the time. Threw a lot of shit at the wall, so maybe something <laughs> stuck. <laughs> but man, that's it, dude. The numbers game. And we're back to uh, playing with our dick mode next Oof, week. I guess so. Oh shit, dude! I totally yeah. forgot to make any jokes about how fucking huge fucking Jillian Anderson tits were this episode. They did. They she, crazy. She had, I'll tell you. Distractingly she, crazy, okay? Crazy. She had, crazy. Some milk, she had some milk jugs. So there you go. Right, right back down where we belong. We need to earn those one stars. Yeah. She had those a... She, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why That's why she didn't die at the boat. She would just floated to shore anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Should we get out of here? Yeah. All right. You guys have a good one. Yeah.